hello and welcome back to Simply Manix. This is our ninth episode of our second season. So we hope you enjoyed our last episode on bowel cancer. Um, this week we're going to be talking about exams. But before we get to that, I'm just going to answer the questions from last episode's learning bite. So for those who of you who may record and listen to the end of last episode, um, the podcast was a 25-year-old gentleman called Kwame who presented to his GP. Um, he had a three-week history of diarrhea. Sometimes there's blood in the stools with an associated low-grade fever, weight loss and fatigue. Um, he hadn't changed his diet as of little, had any takeaways. This is the first time that he'd experienced these symptoms. He denied any nausea or vomiting. He had some abdominal pain due to persistent diarrhea. When you did a review of systems, you noticed that he's having more aches and pains in some of his large joints. He had a family history of bowel cancer. Um, So his brother had bowel cancer at the age of 30 and his grandfather also had bowel cancer at the age of 40. His mother has Crohn's. Social history, he's a non-smoker, non-drinker and he works as a primary school teacher. When you asked him about his ideas, concerns and expectations, he's worried that he may have bowel cancer due to his family history. On examination, his observation is stable. There is no hemodynamic instability. His abdomen is soft with generalised tenderness all over. When you do a PR examination on him, so for those who don't know, that's a digital rectal examination. Um, it's, painful, it's a painful examination, but the stools in the rectum, and when you take, when you take out your finger, there's no blood and stools in the glove, there's no melina. So the first question was, what are your main differential diagnosis? So based on his symptoms, the top three would be ulcerative colitis, Crohn's and bowel cancer. Now, ulcerative colitis based on his symptoms. So he's got sort of abdominal pain, persistent diarrhea. It's a bit bloody as well. Um, he's also got a family history of Crohn's. So his mom's got Crohn's. Um, so people who have if I, IBD, which ulcerative colitis and Crohn's come under, could be um, at a high risk of getting both not both, either or, sorry. Um, the next one was Crohn's. Again, similar presentation to UC in terms of you've got low-grade fever, weight loss. You also get sort of extra intestinal features with um, arthritis or arthropathy in your joints, which he, he seems to have based on the fact that he's got some aches and pains in his large joints. And the last differential was um, bowel cancer. Again, sort of weight loss, fatigue, um, change in bowel habits, sort of also fit um, the picture of bowel cancer and the fact that he's got a strong family history with his brother having bowel cancer at 30 and his grandfather having bowel cancer at 40. So these are sort of three differential diagnoses that are quite fitting for this guy's presentation. Now, question number two is, what is the the disease grading for ulcerative colitis and can you name the components? So for those of you who maybe towards the end of your um, medical degree or uh, training or in training would be aware that we use the true love and wits criteria to grade um ulcerative colitis now the components of the true love and wits are bowel movements so if someone has bowel movements more than four times it's um less than four times sorry it's classed as mild four to six times moderate and above six is quite severe um blood and stools so minimum minimal blood is quite mild um, if they have mild to severe blood within their stools, that's moderate. And if they have visible, sort of visible uh, blood within their stools, that's quite severe. If um, the other the other 
part of the tree level which is pyrexia so if they have pyrexia that classes are severe um, and again you look at the pulse you look at whether they're anemic whether they have a raised ESR so for those of you who don't know ESR looks at inflammation and it tends to look more at chronic levels of inflammation while CRP tends to look more at acute situations and question number three was name three extra intestinal manifestations of ulcerative colitis now like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis can also give you extra intestinal manifestations. Some of these are, like I mentioned before, um, you can get sort of an arthropathy or an arthritis. So you can get enterohepatic arthritis. You can also get some skin changes. So you can get erythema nodosum, which is um, tender red slash purple subcutaneous nodules normally found in the patient's shins. On their eyes, they can present with episcopal episcleritis, anterior uveitis or aritis and in terms of hepatobiliary issues they can also develop primary sclerosis and cholangitis so those are just some of the extra intestinal features that a patient of ulcerative colitis may have. I hope you managed to get all those answers correct if not don't worry there's um, plenty of resources out there we've got some great stuff on our um Instagram and Twitter that you can give a read or you can look around on websites like um, Teach Me Surgery, patient.co.uk, BMJ Best Practice. These are all great places to find out more information. Now, on the topic of information and reading and trying to improve your knowledge, we're going to discuss a bit about exams. We know that exam season is looming for a lot of medics out there, especially seeing on social media quite a lot of um, final year students at other universities have finished their exams and congratulations to you for getting to the end of your five or six years and sitting those exams but we still know that there's plenty more medical students out there who are preparing for their exams and we're just going to give some tips that we've um, sort of learned through our, our medical career um, our medical degree sorry um, that can help you with your exams and for those of you listening, if you have any tips out there, please um, send it to us in the DMs or you can just at Simply Medics on Insta or Twitter and just post your top tips there as well. So, Moya, what are your top tips for passing exams? Um, there's so many. I'm just trying to think what worked for me because different things work to each year. Something that I've always kept consistent is having some sort of timetable so for me um timetabling like as early as possible let me say like six to seven weeks in advance just kind of what I want to do and sticking to it um because consistent work consistently revising consistently doing questions in a set time and organizing your time and organizing other things around your life as well um just kind of helped me to stay on track but also know when to take a break so for me timetabling is one of my my top tips not to not to do things chaotically um or just randomly pick and choose but kind of be intentional like okay I'm good at this topic so I'll, I'll do this a bit to pick myself up but I'm struggling with this so I'll dedicate like an afternoon to this um just to be intentional I actually I agree with you on that point about being intentional and timetabling um and I think something that you sort of mentioned that I tried, not tried, but did consistently all the way through first to fourth year, because in Lancaster, our exams finish sort of in fourth year, was to recognise my weaknesses and my strengths quite mm-hmm. early on. 
um, and realize which areas I don't like studying. There's going to be particular parts of the curriculum that is not your favorite. And you try and address those quite early on mm-hmm. um, when I start my revision. So that I'm like, do you know what? I found psychiatry and obs and gyne really straightforward and really easy. So I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on that. I will dwell on the issues, on the areas that I struggled with. So, for example, neurology was something that's quite a lot to take in and figure out how things work. Yeah. Renal medicine. So I found that a bit, like, I was like, this is a bit very confusing. Um, endocrinology is another area as well. And rather than being like, okay, I'm good at psychiatry, I'm good at obs and gyne, I'm okay at peds, I'm just going to focus on what I'm good at. Instead, I worked on the topics that I struggled with um, and tried to make sure that I at least had grasped um, quite important um, areas and content concepts, work on that, and then work on the stuff that I know I'm good at later on and I know that I can quickly read through my psych notes, quickly mm. do some questions on past medicine, and I'll be yeah. set, rather than me focusing all my energy on stuff that I'm comfortable at. I think sometimes as medics, we have this tendency where we like to do what we're good at because we're comfortable with it but actually mm-hmm. it's, it's better to focus on the areas that you're not too good at and yeah. work on those areas so that you know because it will it will help you in your exams and it'll also help you in your clinical practice just to kind of um add to that i'll be honest so you said you've done it all the way through med school <laughs> it wasn't until fourth year that i took dermatology seriously and ophthalmology i was just like i'm just not gonna do it and I got through to fourth year, but like there's <laughs> there's no way I would have got through my finals without doing it. And the thing is, um, a lot of mm-hmm. the time you put off these topics because you don't really like them or they're complicated. Mm-hmm. Oh, and neurology as well. Chuck that in there. Um, they're complicated. <laughs> but then when you actually just go into it um, and when you actually come to understand it, you find it's not as overwhelming as you thought. I think it's just the thought of just, just getting started that puts people off. So, yeah. yeah. What are your top tips? So I'd also say, um, if you know you're someone that... Another top tip, actually, I would say is, I don't know if it's a top tip, but study as if you're studying for the rest of your life. Mm. Don't study like you're studying just for exams. Mm. So what I mean is, in A-levels and in GCSEs, I tended to be that person that I could study, study, study all year. And then I was just, you know, I'll study, 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 exams will come. And I'll do intense, intense revision in like a week or two weeks and just cram, 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 go in and smash the exams. And then a week later, you ask me a question. I don't remember. I don't even remember what you're on about. I will never forget GCSE physics, like GCSE um, science exams, the physics component of my exam. If anybody asked me a question after my exam, I could not I, I could not answer a single I couldn't even recall what I did, but yeah, I smashed the exam. So in the exam hall, I was able to do the exam, but afterwards, don't if you asked me, I was like, ah, I can't I can't remember anything. Like I, I can't remember anything. Mm. Because I was learning for the exam. And one thing I did in medical school, especially really early on from like year one onwards, so now whenever I was studying for anything exams and stuff I was studying with the concept that I want to know it really well because I'm not just studying to pass I'm studying to be a doctor mm. the end goal is to be a doctor Absolutely. I'm not passing I'm not studying just because I want to pass and get 70s 80s 90s in my exams I'm studying really hard early on if not early on at least studying hard to work when exam season hits because when it comes to the end goal I want to be a competent doctor I want to have knowledge 
in absolutely you know have the breadth of knowledge that I need to do my job. I don't want to be rocking up as an F1 on day one and just being clueless and not having a clue how to formulate um, a differential diagnosis for a particular um, mm. presentation because I didn't really, I, I, I learned it for finals, but I don't really know anything else because I just crammed it. Mm. That's that's so good that you had that as the, I mean, obviously we all have that as the end goal, but in the mm. heat of um, exam season, we can forget that and the truth is we're going to be doing exams our whole life, like um, yep. after F1, F2, specialty exams, exams yep. are always going to be there. So it's really good to kind of have that focus now. What's the end goal and develop healthy ways mm-hmm. as well to get through the exam periods. It's just, exactly. just you know, just how we submit coursework or do other things. It's just part of the course. It's just part of the vocation. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So I think obviously like, finals boy I literally I learned so much within a week <laughs> that revision week I learned stuff that I hadn't learned <laughs> for like four years within that week but when it comes to about the majority of the content it was stuff that I kind of already knew mm. but I'd learned in previous years and I was just going over again in more depth yeah and I had always at the back of my mind all the way through final through fourth year so that I'm literally learning to be a doctor I'm learning so that I know these things mm. um even if I don't know it deep depth at least I know about the topic and I know where I can access resources I know that there's a nice guideline for this I know this is who I need to speak to ETC so yeah I think that was definitely a tip that helped sustain me throughout medical school so written exams they differ from med school to to med school so here yeah yeah we have um single best answers in year one and year two like all the papers um and then from our third year onwards we have a mix of um sabs and short answer questions whereas some other med schools have i don't know what they have but i'm glad we don't have that like essays in it essays yeah some have essays yeah i ain't that type of essay gal so we can give the perspective of single best answer and short answer questions and how to kind of revise that. And I'm going to just jump in right there and say time, time yourself, time yourself, time yourself. Mm-hmm. In my finals, um, I ran out of time, like in, in my first paper. Um, it wasn't that I didn't understand, but there was just so much time spent reading all the information and it got to the mm-hmm. last maybe 10 minutes and I still had about two screens of questions to answer Wow! and literally at one point I was just like you know what it's single best answer just click 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 an answer <laughs> and then go back and read and do do damage control because it's better to at yeah. least chance it and put one answer rather than re- slowly read because I wouldn't have finished it at all yeah you would have just left the screen blank one screen yeah. blank so I would definitely say make sure you time yourself under um, the exam conditions. Yeah, I actually agree, especially like, I know there's lots of resources out there. We're going to talk about that later, like past medicine mm. um, and all these online question banks. And you can, you can have a tendency of just sitting and doing it at your own pace. But sometimes, especially towards as you're nearing your exam season, try doing things under time um, under time pressure and mm. see how quickly you are at sort of working through those questions because like like Maria said our medical school the way exams are done in fourth year is you have a mixture of single best answers and then these short these short um sort of written answers and if you don't 
and in fourth year they really up the content of finals there is a lot to read per each question um, i was so shocked you've got words what essays essays of content and you're and like you know, eh? you want me to read all of this and then... <laughs> the question doesn't even need that much text <laughs> stop oh. it <laughs> You're giving me someone's life story exactly. from birth to admission to when the ambulance picked them up. I need to ask, what's the complication of this? Stop it. <laughs> exactly. So I remember um, my friends who in the year above me were telling me that finals is really time pressured. You have a lot more questions to answer. You don't have enough time and they do put a lot of um, text in the um, sort of in the stem of the question mm. so to make sure that you read really quickly and you um you work through it as fast as possible another top tip that i would say is actually sometimes it's better not to second guess yourself go with your gut instinct yes most of the time your gut instinct is correct um and it's and i know there's somebody somewhere told me about how there used to be negative marking for medical school and they changed that based in the concepts that it was actually um working against women because women tended to second guess themselves and they'll change their answers even though they're correct in the first place and mm. that meant that when they were negatively marked there seemed to be a disparity between the scores of men and women it wasn't to say that women weren't smart enough to be to be getting top marks but it was the fact that women were second guessing themselves even though they actually knew the answers so um because men tend to be more risk takers and they'll just do the questions they won't really read for it they'll be like you know what i've done all those questions fine submit it and go um so i say don't second guess yourself if you if you your gut instance is that is the right answer go for it majority of the time you are right unless you know you didn't study and you, that's not a content that you're familiar with and your gut answer is very wrong from the actual answer because not gonna lie you don't actually have knowledge in the first place to be answering that question mm. that's different but if you've studied the content and you're you know you like you actually know this i'm not entirely sure um, but I kind of think I know this and go for it because majority of the time you are correct and don't overthink they're not always out to get you the medical school is not always out to get you you may feel like that but genuinely they're not out to get you um, sometimes a spade is a spade mm, um, literally if you think it's if you think it's psoriasis it probably is psoriasis don't think it's something else that it's not um, if you think it's, I don't know, SIADH, it's probably SIADH. Don't think it's something that it's not like, don't go out here thinking, nah, nah, it's wrong. You can't be, you can't be. Don't talk yourself out of the right answer mm. because you, you can't spend your entire exam talking yourself out of every single correct answer. If you think this looks correct, it probably is correct. Like I said, go through your gut instinct. Don't overthink too much. Mm. And I just want to ask, since you've been working, would you say that kind of applies to day to day medicine? Mhm. Yep. There's literally times where I've clocked a patient, yeah, and I'm like, "This is my gut instinct." They have a patient has. I feel like this is what they have, and like I write it in my diagnosis. This is what they have, and then I discuss with like a senior colleague, and they be like, oh, "I'm not really sure." Um. Like, okay, we'll wait for more investigations to come, and then lo and behold, my patient has what I thought they had. Mm-hmm. And it's happened numerous times. Like I can't even count the amount of times where I've clocked someone, and my gut instinct is telling me nah man this has to be this has to be this mm. and then and i'll i literally see like a senior document something and i'm like oh like oh or a senior will speak to me about something I'm like oh okay maybe i am wrong and then i'll literally read through the notes and i'll see them done investigations and stuff and i'm like 
So my patient did have what I literally thought they had in the first place. Mm. And it's not about bragging, but it's about my gut instinct was "Mm, something is, this is not adding up. I think it might be this based on the fact that what I know from my, Mm. my studying of medicine in an undergrad and also outside of undergrad, like, you know, reading in my spare time, this is the clinical picture is pushing me towards this. Yeah. And therefore I'm going to manage the patient in this way. Um, and that's that's the whole thing. I think being a doctor is all about that being a detective really. It's about mm. being a detective and picking up on clues and the overall picture to come up with a diagnosis that will help you decide what your management plan is. And that's exactly how exams are trained. You train you to think, especially your written. You yeah. get given certain things in a question and be like, someone's got um breathlessness worsening breathlessness they've now got ankle swelling they've got breathlessness as na- breathlessness at night they have a background of a previous mi what are you going to think that the top differential diagnosis is heart failure yeah because that's what that's what the, what you normally get in heart failure you'd get dys- dys- dyspnea orthopnea paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea and you'll get pedial edema mm. so that sort of and it, obviously usually they've got a background of some cardiac issues previous mm. MI so that kind of ties in neatly if you see that in your exam don't go and choose nephrotic syndrome bruv as your answer because what's common. that got to do with what's in the <laughs> common things are common what's that got to listen like what's that got to do with the stem of the question they've just told you there all the signs and features of heart failure and even given you a big clue patient has a previous history of an MI where's nephrotic syndrome coming from so this is what I'm saying like literally don't overthink things and like Common things are common. Sometimes a spade is a spade. So yeah, that's one of my top tips. <laughs> what was my what other top tips do you have? So for the written, for the short answer question specifically, um, I love I love a good whiteboard revision session. So um, we'll we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about past medicine in a bit, but um, it's really mm-hmm. good to do those questions. But one thing I do is I would literally pick an objective, write it in the middle of my whiteboard, and write everything I know about it write everything mm. from um mm. we don't really get t- tested that much on the pathophysiology for your finals but on the causes of on the clinical features on complications mm-hmm. first line management first line investigations yes. i would write that all from memory and compare that to notes and um that was really mm. good when it came to the short answer questions like i think we got something on pcos and i'd actually done it that morning thank you god <laughs> on my whiteboard um and it was like a 10 mark question and I'd written everything I knew about PCOS. So when it came to the short wow. answer questions, you know, sometimes you're like, you're blank for the words, you know it, but you're blank. Mm-hmm. But if you consistently practice yeah. writing it out from memory rather than doing questions on it, when it comes to writing those three oh, answer yeah. mark questions or five um, five mark questions, then it's a lot easier to do it. So I'll say, um, even if it's just like a piece of paper or whatever, practice actually mm. writing rather than just selecting single best answers. Mm. I agree. I think that's a top a tip that I kind of use for my LCA was to write down, let's say, a sign and symptom, which was like breathlessness, and then write down like do like a, a spider diagram, and then write from each from the breathlessness do like. Um, a condition to heart failure and then I'll write the signs and features of heart failure um, I'll write what investigations you have to do and then management and then just do that for other conditions all around this one symptom and then do it for different symptoms um, 
and that just helps tie like everything together and makes you think about things in a multi-system approach as well did you ever do group work yes um group work came in really handy for me so um the Lancaster medics will know we have this great paper called paper free which we call non-med side but technically <laughs> it's got an official name so it's just basically all the kind of health epidemiology um professional values things which we're examined on um and there's a lot a lot of reading um but shout out mm-hmm. to my my group of girls we there was maybe like eight of us and we allocated the reading between ourselves. So it's not like one person's reading everything, but let's say I would read like two topics from year three, somebody else would do two topics from year four. And over about six to eight weeks, um, every weekend we met, um, before the pandemic, we used to do it in person, but we met on like Teams and presented it to each other, and then everyone had access to the slides. And literally after that exam, like we all came out looking and smiling and nodding at each other, and it was just—it was just a real team effort of delegating, yeah. working smart, but still being able to teach. Because when you teach the topics back to the group as well, you're remembering. So that's where no, group work has, yeah. has worked for me, and also for the OSCE. Yeah, I did a lot of group work in first and second year, especially for medical for the med side papers um, with friends and just going through topics and especially even stuff you're not, you know, everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses. Someone's strength might be urology, someone's strength might be nephrology and they will probably give you good mm-hmm. teaching them and break it down in ways that might make it un- easy for you to understand. Um, again, group work really helped again for me in finals, especially for non-med, like Moyo said. Um, we didn't even do that we just sat down as a group of three and literally bashed through a list of objectives before the, the night before the exam um, mm-hmm. another thing that group worked really helped all throughout med school was for OSCEs and for practical exams which we're going to go on, on next to discuss um, and I definitely say that boy I would not have passed my OSCEs without the help of my friends god bless you all every one of you every one of you from year one to year four amazing amazing I don't live with medics but I was still able to have my group of friends to practice with um and it made Mm. just such a difference because um Mm -hmm. you need to you need bodies to practice on for OSCEs Mm -hmm. people to speak to also not just bodies but someone to examine you so most of the time when I did OSCE practice with my friends there would be usually three of us three or four people and I think it works well when you have a group of about three to four people not any more than that it becomes chaotic mm. um because then you have to end up end up splitting up into smaller groups but about three people and two people would be doing one examiner one patient one one is um the one actually carrying out the the doing the actual um examine examining of said patient and we would use the um there's lots of different books that we got from the library that had OSCE performers in and the highlight mark schemes or we'll mm. look at sort of mark schemes for our other year OSCEs and use that as a sort of a, a benchmark to see like what areas that we need to be hitting to get to get to actually pass that station. So let's say, for mm. example, if it was an, um, a station on a paediatric history, we'd get one of the OSCE books, look for a paediatric um, case. Read, one person will be the examiner and just, you know, introduce the station. Another person will be the patient and they'll be reading the history. And then the other person is obviously the one actually carrying out the exam. Um, and the examiner will just sit there and watch the person do it. 
and give them feedback at the end and be like, you did really well in this area. You asked them about, you know, um, you did the presenting complaint really well, the history of presenting complaint, but you didn't really go into um, the vaccination history or ask about mm-hmm. development and all those kind of things and just nitpick things that you may not necessarily have noticed or the, the person who was acting as a patient, sometimes they zone out and like they're just, you know, focused on answering questions rather than listening to what you're saying so yeah super important like group work for practical exams and ensuring that it's not a big group because then boy it's like 10 of you trying to do the same thing all at once listen and i'd say while group work is really good for um oskies in particular and certain things um if it does get overwhelming for you or you feel like you're not working well with the group leave listen it's only you yeah. it's only you introducing yourself to the patient that day so you have to do what works best for you so don't be um don't be afraid yeah. to leave because everybody copes with exams differently um so i feel like some people feel a mm-hmm. bit like oh they don't want to be not the odd one out but yeah but like cuz sometimes um i felt a bit overwhelmed in the group when people are discussing what they've revised and stuff and that's where living by myself yeah. or living away from other medics came in handy for me because it was mm-hmm. like i had a chance to kind of separate myself from that i can't imagine like coming home and i'll see all my other flatmates revising and i i just put on like netflix when i i know it's time for a break but in the back of my mind it's like he should be revising but yeah so group yeah. work but just know what works for you 100% as much as like I said OSCEs and stuff and um long case whatever it is for your medical school in terms of practical examination it's really good to have um to do group work with other medics we can always examine your family and friends um mm-hmm. if you're you don't have any close medic friends you can always examine them it's all about being comfortable with doing examinations and being comfortable speaking to people about certain things so for example i know like the sexual history stuff mm. i was a bit like you know making sure you've got the right words and using the right terminology was something i struggled with initially but then i'd write i'll just speak to my brother and ask him stuff because he's the guy and i won't get i won't have if i started saying the wrong things he'd be like nah like you know that's a bit so just those things like get, if you can't find any close medic friends, use family, use friends who are non-medics, just whoever is willing to be um, to help you, just speak to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Also, um, there are, so at our uni or our med school, um, Markovskis and things like that I put, um, I put on as well. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I joined a MedSoc, to be honest, that and the balls. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I know they used to do it a lot Same. in first year. I think they still do it because I've I've taken part in like being an examiner, but it's just so helpful because yeah. it's done under timed conditions and you get feedback from people who have been before you and they kind of know like, okay, this is really good. Keep that up or no, mm-hmm. let's work on this a bit more. Um, so definitely sign up and take part mm-hmm. in your mock OSCEs and return the yeah. favor when you go into the upper years. Make sure you like be be available to help younger years. And if you have friends in upper years, use them too. Because I remember studying with like Shama, shout out to Shama and Abigail um, during some of my exams. I remember like after our Y, Shama was learning for her finals. I was learning for third year. The two of us would just stand there put after our Y and just be writing things on the whiteboard and just do a quick revision sesh. And then we'll head off to the library and stay there for like two, three hours and just study 
consistently. So yeah, use your friends in upper years who obviously they have the knowledge because mm. they've experienced that year. They have the knowledge because they've all, you know they've sat those those exams that you're about to sit so they can give you insight on things that they mistakes that they made or things that helped them with those exams. Um, so definitely mm. utilize the people that you have around you. Um, and reach out to people who are in the year above who can give you like lots of information but also resources like there are so many people Mm. out there who have a wealth of resources when I tell you pdf documents people have pdf documents for every single thing that you need (laughs) shout out Vias if you're listening resources that man has resources for days yeah resources Oh, so you mentioned one of the OSCE books. Um, so one that, because um, I lived with a medic, but she was older here, um, that she recommended was OSCE mm. cases with Mark schemes, which was good. So it has a pro forma mm. and stuff. But another book that a lot of people were using, it's just that the coin wasn't, a, wasn't there at the time, OSCE Stop. That book apparently is really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. It's called... The Oski Revision Guide, and it's by Oski Stop. Now, mm. for those of you who can't afford it, yeah, Oski Stop's website has basically all that content. It has all that content on their website. Mm. Like the book. Now it has the most of is... the content. It has most of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It has most <laughs> of it. It has most of the content. But the book just has all of it in one place. That's the thing. And it's easy to just flick through pages and look for what you want. Don't have to go through your website and be clicking, 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 clicking at all these kind of different places. So they do that on purpose. So, yeah. <laughs> so that we can buy the book, basically. Hello. Another book that I used actually is by a guy called Zishan. Shout out Zishan. Oh, yeah. The Unofficial Guide to Passing Oskis. That's another really good book. It's got cases and stuff in there as well. For me, I'm going to move on to the number one resource that everybody uses is it what i think it is p dot m dot <laughs> past medicine <laughs> listen i actually love past medicine like i'm writing questions for them now like listen what if you're listening you? yeah i need that coin <laughs> and i'd also like to contribute to the question bank um but no past medicine is really good um towards the end of my revision i like I was doing maybe like 200 questions a day under time conditions. Okay, so It made a difference. All I can say is past medicine, God bless you. Um, yeah, save me. Did I study for psych? Nope, I just did past medicine. I just went through those questions. Did all the psych questions. I was like, do you know what? I'm done. That's my psych revision done. I don't need to read the, I don't need to read anything else. Mm. I can just read past medicine. The, one thing I love about past medicine is not just the fact that they've got good questions and stuff, is the notes. The notes of past medicine is what makes a big difference. They're regularly updated, so they have the most up-to-date guidelines, especially if it wasn't for past medicine, I would have not known that the BTS guidelines for asthma had changed. The, gu- the guidelines change all the time. Like They can't make their mind up. It's so annoying. <laughs> I literally remember I was studying for like finals, and I was just going through the asthma, like an asthma question came up. And I think I got the answer wrong. And I was reading the notes and I was like, wait, wait, when I swear this was different to what I learned in second year. And I was like, oh my gosh, they've changed the guidelines. Mm. Like, yeah. when did this happen? <laughs> so yeah. that's all I can say is, yeah, they're really good. They really have up-to-date content, up-to-date answers, up-to-date notes. 
Um, Definitely. And also a lot of plastic medicine do like question banks, not just for your finals, but they do it for like MRSA, MSRA, not MRSA, M- <laughs> M- ah, MSRA, uh, some of the opposite and gynees. I think they have one for um, passing the M- MRCOG and the MRCP mm-hmm. and all these different things. So plastic medicine is a really good resource. And it's it's good for um active recall, which is just basically Yeah. Instead of passively reading and learning information, you're actually having to think about it and apply it. Mm-hmm. Um that's why question banks, when it comes to finals, I definitely recommend that over all other things. And you know, this yeah. this podcast isn't sponsored by past medicine, so I'm gonna list some other ones um <laughs> that I've heard of. I've just not tried them <laughs> myself. <laughs> Um, I've heard of past test, um, BMJ yeah. on examination, and yeah. I don't know how to pronounce this one, Quesmed. I think they have an Instagram and I followed them. And even like in the stories, you can answer questions like mm-hmm. um, oh, okay. like multiple choice kind of thing. Um, yeah. And that was really good because when you're flicking through social media, at least f- for five minutes, it's you've done something a bit useful. Learn. Yeah. 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 In addition to like, um, PASMED and all these other like BMJ best practice and all these things I'd also say following medical um, things on social so whether it be on your Instagram or Twitter it's very useful so I follow a pharmacology um, a pharmacology American pharmacology um, sort of teaching thing on Twitter and ever so often they'll do like questions on their Twitter and they'll be like a Twitter poll and they'll mm. ask, you know, what is the mechanism of action of warfarin on all these other things? And that when I'm flicking through Twitter, I just see it and I'll just answer it. And then at the end, when they close the poll, I'll see whether or not I was right or wrong. And it's just mm. a, like a really nice way to study whilst I'm also on social media and just relaxing. Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't want to be inundating yourself with constantly studying. I must study 24-7 because it's unhealthy. But mm. at least you're also doing something a bit productive with your downtime. So... So sticking with the topic of social media, um, I recommend following Zero to Finals on Instagram and also listening to their podcast. So what they've started doing now is Zero to Finals is just amazing. They have a YouTube channel on their Instagram. They post a story with questions and then you swipe right to see the answers. And then the podcasts as well, really good. I remember listening to them whenever I was just commuting or driving to to placement so I recommend following zero to finals um I think it's Dr Tom Watchman he's amazing like really really good short and simple easy to remember content but also testing you through um Instagram so yeah that's another Mm -hmm. resource um there are just so many resources on Instagram um so I just wanted to shout out some people that are doing really good stuff as well so there's another podcast Medico Lifestyle I'll check them out they've kind of got like learning bites like we do um hopeful medic she does really good interactive stories as well so when you're flicking through you can just um study questions with her 60 second med so these are 60 60 minutes 60 second videos on instagram which cover um, a topic and meducate so there's so many resources on instagram and twitter but like emmanuela said don't um overwhelm yourself like just flick through do a couple and then I don't know, see what someone had for dinner next. Like, it's just social media, just normal day-to-day yeah. things. Also, mm-hmm. for those in your formative years of medical school who are not 
you know, those in the preclinical years. Shout out to Amanda Husudigan. Um, shout out to t- um, to the um, what's that guy called? There's a guy who does anatomy drawings. Not Amanda. There's another guy. I forgot his name. Um, there's some really good YouTubers out there who do really good anatomy videos that got mm-hmm. not just anatomy but anatomy and physiology and pathophysiology. Amanda is one I can remember on top of my head, but there's quite a lot out there, and I'll say. You utilize YouTube, um, especially mm-hmm. when you're struggling to understand some sim- some topics and concepts, because you can read through a textbook and you can read through like online resources. But sometimes seeing mm-hmm. someone draw something out and explain it or physically show you something can really mm-hmm. help, especially if you're a visual learner, um, which yeah. I am. So yeah, definitely look out. Amanda does amazing diagrams, um, and he literally he was one of the key. Listen, literally got me through my first two years of med school. <laughs> Obviously, him and um, shout out to the anatomy team at Lancaster, Adam and Quentin. You guys also got me through it. But yeah, Amanda was also an integral part. <laughs> oh, speaking of anatomy, oh. Netters. Mm-hmm. Netters. Oh, Netters flashcards. How could we forget? Yeah, how could we forget <laughs> Netters? How could we forget Netters flashcards? Netters flashcards, amazing. Got me through first and second year. Not just their anatomy, but they also have a pathophysiology one for those of you who want to know. And they have a physiology mm. one as well. So they have a colouring book for those of you who like to colour. So you can use that there's to an app. do some stuff if you want to. Yes, there's an, there is an app as well. Um, so those are just some good resources. And a good anatomy book I will recommend is um, Essential Clinical Anatomy by Morse. Yeah. Mm. So that's the anatomy book that I had. I had the... Um, it wasn't the very in-depth one. I think mine was like, um, there's like two types. There's a really thick, big one. And then there's a more condensed mm-hmm. version. And that's the one that I used to study anatomy. And I really love studying with that because it went it went into as much depth that I needed for my sort of surface anatomy, um, bl- looking at the vasculature. So, you know, venous and arterial supply and also the um, innovation and telling you know where things are placed in their their function as well so um Moore's was really good for anatomy and I know our medical school doesn't really advocate for Tortora but Tortora was also really good for anatomy and physiology uh, I don't know why they're fighting it I just laughed so much because they were huh? like no Tortora is not in, in enough depth blah 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 and everyone's like just use Tortora are we not are we all not doctors now exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so Totora I really like Totora um I liked Moors so those are just some things you know you can if you're a book person there's some really good books out there that you can get from your library or the BMA have a really good library if you're a member and you can get free books delivered to your door so it'll be sent through yeah. the post and then you get a free post to return it back um check in your medical school library to see um if there's any books on site and you know there's lots of online resources out there like we've mentioned from past mess question banks all the way to podcast youtube channels mm-hmm. and social media as well so whilst we've talked a lot about sort of top tips and for written and oskies as well as resources we're going to discuss a bit about self-care i'm all mm-hmm. about self-care um and the older i get the more important i see in taking time for yourself and oh, yeah. I wish, I really wish I, during my finals, I took time for myself because I remember being very overworked that I literally broke down post-OSCE, cried like a baby and thought I failed my OSCE 
which I didn't, but I thought I did because I was tired and overwhelmed. Um, and that was all because I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't eating well. I was exhausted mentally, physically drained mm. from the thirst, preparing for finals. So um, I would say, take care of yourself. It's important to take regular breaks um, mm. when you're studying. You don't have, every 24 hours of your day should not be spent studying. That is very unhealthy. Human beings, we require sleep. Actually, yeah. when you sleep, you you not only are you resting but your brain is having time to form those neural connections from what mm. you've learnt in that day so sleep get your adequate amount of sleep there is nothing worse than turning up to your exam sleep deprived and getting a migraine which i did during your exams and now you have a migraine you're staring at a screen if your exams are on computers and you cannot think because your head is hurting and just to say a tired brain cannot revise well a tired brain cannot answer exactly. questions well tiredness is not the optimal state to do anything you want to come to that exam your best self to eat Mm -hmm. um for me meal prepping was always something I've done since the days of Warwick Mm. whereas like I know that I'm going to be too busy during the week to cook so I've cooked every meal I've planned it lunch dinner breakfast Mm -hmm. snacks I save money because I don't buy Mm -hmm. junk and I make sure I'm eating regularly I'm fueling my body Mm -hmm. and then um sleep I'm usually really good with sleep but with exam time, I made sure like seven to eight was what I was getting. So that yes. meant for me having to delete social media, not because it's um no, it because it was a distraction. I should it's eleven o'clock. Yeah. yeah. I should be asleep. What am I doing? I'm kicking on Twitter with people <laughs> with people who aren't gonna sit my exam. So I had to get rid of social media because I was just wasting time instead of sleeping at night. Um mm-hmm. but I don't know, people under, and I think the NHS culture perpetuates this as well. Um, They underestimate the value of having a break and resting because Mm -hmm. just that time to refresh and then come back to something, you learn it quicker and you work better. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't, don't forsake it. It's not, it's not a badge of honor. Like make sure you're looking after yourself in that sense. Listen, uh, one statement I said in my finals was, I cannot come and kill myself. Mm. So towards the last days of my sort of revision week, I was like, I cannot come and kill myself. I really cannot. If I die now, that's it. It's ended. It's over. Like, I cannot it's come and kill myself. Exam. Yeah, don't kill yourself over your exams. When I mean that, I mean, don't overwork yourself to the point where you become ill. Um, mm. Take regular breaks, you know, eat well, study, mm. exercise, do the things that you normally do. and not just for your physical health, but for your mental health, because it's super important to be in the right space mentally. If you're not in the right headspace, it's very difficult to study. Because um, when you're anxious, you can't really, you get sort of in a rut mm. where you're thinking, oh, I need to study, I need to study, but you're not studying. And then you're wasting time not studying. You're wasting time thinking about how anxious you are. And likewise, if you're feeling low and depressed about your studying, then you're just going to be fixated on that and not really going to break out of that cycle to actually do the work. So, yeah, if you're struggling with your mental health, speak to someone in your medical school. There's usually um, counsellors around. If not, the PMA have a free counselling service. And um, speak mm-hmm. to your friends who are in the same position as you, people that you trust, family members, and seek help early on. Don't wait till the, 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 till it's the day before your finals and they're like, I need to speak to someone. Speak to your GP early on if you can. Mm. You know, you could get extenuating circumstances, you get extra time, all these things. Just mm. you know, take care of yourself. It's super important too. Super important. Mm. 
and um, something for me as well, since you mentioned men mental health, be um, careful of which type of medics you surround yourself with. Um, mm. I'm going to just list a bunch of medics. If this applies to you, the shoe fits. If not, we can move on. There's the medic who knows some quirky facts that they're not going to come up in the exam. There's the medic that always says, yeah. oh, I've not, I've not done anything. Oh, I've not revised. Oh, oh, I don't understand. There's the medic that um, is quite laid back about everything. There's the medic that is always going on about high yield. And personally, for me, all of you stress me out. All of, all of these types of medics stressed me out. And... I had to make a, a conscious decision to kind of be like, just limit my interactions no. with them just for me, because yeah. your, your constant spitting of high yields is making me feel like, Oh my gosh, I've not covered this. Like, or you're being stressed about not studying enough, even though it's not enough to you. It may, it may have been enough to me, but then it kind of rubs off on me and yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not taking this seriously. Yeah. So if certain medics are rubbing you up the wrong way, cut, listen, it's exam seasons. You don't, you don't anybody, any yeah. excuse. The nine grand is your nine grand yes. you're paying. So make sure you do or what's best for you. If you're international, you. you're 27 grand. <laughs> 20 what? <laughs> God. 27. <laughs> yeah, so... I think it's more than that, you know. But anyways, yeah, but that's what I just yes, wanted I to drive home. Um, and for me, surrounding myself mm -hmm. with people, mm -hmm. non-medics, and then RY. So that's our, our campus fellowship. People of um, faith, like that share the same faith to me. People that could encourage me, um, pray mm -hmm. for me. That was really, really helpful for mm -hmm. me. Like um, every exam season, it's just 100%. been such a blessing. So if you do 100%. practice a faith, um, I would say make sure as well you kind of um, keep practicing that and just um, seek encouragement in that sense to to get you through your exams. Don't neglect it. Mm. Don't neglect your faith during exam season, and don't think because you've got you've got to study, you've got to neglect God. Like genuinely, you will regret it post exams. Um, and likewise, don't neglect the things that you do that make you happy, whatever that may be. Um, at the end mm. of the day, your know, exams are very important, but you always have exams as a as a doctor or as a mm. clinician, whatever you do, you always have exams, you'll always be examined on something. If not, phys like sort of written exams, you have a portfolio that you have to keep up to date. So you have to get into the habit of having good, healthy coping mechanisms, whatever mm. that may look like, whether if it's going to church, going to mosque, going to the temple, um, praying, meditating, doing yoga, whatever it is that's your healthy coping mechanism, keep on doing it but like I said just don't mm. neglect don't neglect the things that make you happy don't neglect God um because you need to get to healthy strategies or else listen when you do finish medical school and real life hits you and you're like I'm been on call for a whole week and I'm struggling um you'll be like you know you, you'll be falling onto unhealthy coping mechanisms shall I say um so it's better to build those healthy ones now whilst you're in medical school before you graduate mm. yeah Oh gosh, look at the time. I could go on, we could go on forever. I just wanted to add to your point yes, that sir. um at uni you have the privilege of okay, everybody knows it's your exam. The med school know, mm -hmm. your parents know, your friends know. So everybody gives you that time. But once you start doing exams, and this applies as well to other careers, 
in the real world, mm-hmm. time doesn't stop because you have exams. You still got to go to work. You still got to do X, Y, Z and fulfill other responsibilities and still do your exams yep. on top. So like Emmanuel yep. said, good coping mechanisms now will stand you in good stead for the future. 100%. It'll, it'll be a default for you to act on. Like when things get stressful, you'll go to that default. And if mm. your default is smoking and doing drugs, then that'll be your default for life unless you kick it and you find healthier mechanisms so yeah those are just our advice Moya do you have anything to add you guys can do this honestly you know information just literally consistent hard work and just stick to a way in which you're comfortable if you want to try something new that you've seen other people do do it and if it's not working you know Mm -hmm. what works for you just stick with that. It may be longer. I think that's something I've had to tell myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, my way might be longer, but it works for me. It's effective for me. So you know yourself best. Don't be overwhelmed. Seek help if you need it, but you've got mm-hmm. this. I agree. And just to end on that, um, you've studied hard and I'm pre- I'm sure you'll do well. And if you don't, you know, unfortunately, failing exams is not the end of the world. There's always resets and there's always opportunities mm-hmm. to... Um, to get those points up or to re- redo those exams so just focus on your current hurdles right now focus on studying hard finishing hard but taking time for yourself Um, and don't think because you've got a week left to exams late you can do a lot in a week trust me I did a lot Listen. in a week you can do a lot in a week <laughs> you can do a lot in a week so all the best to all of you out there who have exams especially those in their finals And to those who have already sat their exams, I hope you pass them with flying colours and that we will see great many stories on the timeline very soon about how you've smashed them. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope you come back to hear the next. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simply Medics podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. Make sure you follow us at Simply Medics on Instagram and Twitter. Or if you want to drop us an email, send it to simplymedics at gmail.com. Please help us out by sharing, subscribing and dropping us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Enjoy the rest of your day.